Welcome to Warnsville Reaching New Heights. I'm your host, June Scharf, and I am very proud to bring you this episode, a conversation with Warnsville Heights resident, Ed Chambers. He was very forthcoming with me, and I really appreciate what he was able to share. He's someone who came to Warrensville Heights from the Glenville area because he sought a better education for his children, and the houses here were affordable, and that was the key to him being able to save money for college for his children. That was his plan all along. Uh, He had four children, and he put them all through college. Uh, He had a background in chemistry, and he held positions in that field. Um, And what else I'd like you to know before the conversation begins is that he grew up in Alabama with a mom who was a sharecropper, and he left in the middle of the night one one day to move to Georgia. And it really... um, is a profound memory memory for him, and I, and I think you'll hear that. Um, now, racial issues have followed him throughout his life. Um, his first job was the result of a class action lawsuit that mandated that blacks be hired, and he was one of them. And, you know, did that make him a lucky guy? Well, no, it was a very difficult thing. He was discriminated against in different ways up north than in the south, which um, he describes. Um, but he believed in himself that he could do anything and he could learn anything, and he had confidence. And I asked him, where did that come from? And he said, from hard times. You know, there were days without food. And um, he withstood that, and his perspective is, and, and he, he shares this, that there are no problems, there are only challenges. And I really um, admire that. And he has plenty of other lines. I'm just going to give you one other one because I just love it so much. He said, life is like an AC current, uh, which has its peaks and valleys. And um, this is a man who's been married 67 years, um, raised his kids, he said, with a strong sense of discipline. He's an amazing man. He's an incredible role model. And I'm so happy to share this with you. So please enjoy my guest, Ed Chambers. Fantastic to have you here, Mr. Chambers. Thank you. I need to let listeners know you are 88 years old and you are going strong. You have a tennis game, you said, tomorrow. No more tournaments, but you're still playing tennis and you're getting your exercise and you're looking amazing. So uh, congratulations on your good health. It's not by accident. Thank you. Uh, The reason we're having you here is because you have a lot of history in this city. You moved, you bought a house here in 1967 and you moved in in 1968. Yes. So why don't we just back up before we pursue that and tell me where did you move here from? I moved here from the Glenville area. Okay. Uh, when the Glenville area became overpopulated and the school became overcrowded, uh, we decided to move because we didn't want the kids to go half day at school. And it became overcrowded because the Gladstone area was uh, torn down and a lot of people moved to Glenville. From and all at once the school was overcrowded. So we were looking for communities to move to where there wasn't overcrowdedness because we didn't assume that the, we assumed that the kid <clears throat> will not get a good education by going to school half day and we want our kid to get a good foundation. So when you say we, you're talking about... My wife and I. And a son, daughter? Uh, Our kids were small. 
okay. at that time because that was in 19. We started looking for places by around 1966 and so forth to be able to make the move. Okay, and but we, your children, what, what? tell me about your children. Uh, my children were rather close together. I have three boys, okay. the older and one daughter, and all of them are finished college and they are professional people. Nah. Congratulations, yeah. that's and, an achievement. Uh, and their grandchildren are mm -hmm. uh, graduating from uh, uh, graduate school. They are in the, they graduated from Georgetown, uh, Harvard, and uh, uh, Brown University and so forth. Fantastic. So, okay, well. And, 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 and so, so let's their go, whole group. They're, they're grown up, they're yeah. doing well. Um, okay, so you, how did you select Warrensville Heights from Glenville? Oh. How did I, well, first of all, I was recommended not to select Warrensville Heights. Okay. Uh, but I wanted I select Warrensville Heights because I could pay for the house very quickly because my kids was close together. And I didn't want any bill when they started the college. My boys were one year apart. Mm -hmm. And so the broker was recommended for me to move to Beachwood, move to Orange, or move to Solon. Uh, my beach, my uh, broker was from Merrill Lynch. Merrill Lynch. And, yeah, and they was a record for me and they moved someplace else. And I said, no, I want to move where I could pay for the house quick. So I paid for my home in four years. And wow. I, I had to pay for it before the kid. Uh, and the, my oldest son, the first year in college, then my home was paid for. So I could uh, dedicate everything to school expenses, mm -hmm. and that was my plan. Maybe that wasn't the best of plan. I think because, it worked out. <laughs> because I could have done maybe investment, and maybe I'd done better, but, well, you can't look back at it over Where were you working at the time? I was working at Clevite Research in, in, in Google. It was Clevite Research I was working at that time. That was on, that was in Cleveland, in, uh, in, uh, of 105, and it was strictly not a manufacturer but a research center. So I was working in uh, crystallography. Crystallography? Uh, crystallography. Crystallography. Uh, working with uh, cadmium sulfide, zinc, telluride, and dope crystals. Okay, uh, let's get this right. Cadmium sulfide. Cadmium sulfide. Uh, uh, zinc, telluride. Zinc and, telluride. And dope crystals. Dope crystals. And before that time, I was working in physical chemistry, emission spectroscopy, at another company. Wow. So, where so, where did you get a degree, and what was your degree in? Uh, uh chemistry. My uh, my background. I worked in chemistry for 30, 39 years. Wow. Yeah, in different phases of chemistry, not just crystallography. I worked in plane chemistry electrical deposition chemistry, uh, physical chemistry, analytical chemistry. Wow, where did you go to school? I went to school at, in South Carolina at Benedict College, and I went to school at, at Finn. It was Finn at that time, it's Cleveland State now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but, uh, and where did you grow up when you were a child? <laughs> now you're going back. Yeah, we're going back. Far. I grew up in Two or three places. Okay. Uh, my mother was a sharecropper in Alabama. Okay. 
And uh, I left Alabama in 1936, late in October on a Friday morning at 3 a.m. So then from there, I went to uh, Columbus, Georgia, and I was raised up in Columbus, Georgia, went through, up and through high school. All right, what, okay, what, and how did you get to Cleveland? I came to Cleveland on my way to Boston. I had no intention to stay in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. My sister was living in Cleveland, and she wanted me to stay here with her. Okay. And uh, I debated that, and then I went down to the Urban League to see what type of job they had, and they interviewed me. Uh, to work at uh, AMAX because they had a class action lawsuit against AMAX for, to, for AMAX to hire someone in the technical field. They didn't have any blacks in the technical field or any blacks uh, in, in the skill play with it. All of them was just labels. And so they had won the lawsuit, but they couldn't find anyone with the right background to go in and wanted to work in the lab. Right? And that was you. And you were the one. I came along. You're the lucky guy. Okay. Well, I don't know whether I was lucky because it was such a difficult thing okay. working there. Being the first working there, mm-hmm. I went into overt and subvert discrimination. Okay. And it was difficult. In the t- workplace, you're in, saying? In the workplace. It, How did that manifest itself? Beg pardon? How did their discrimination manifest itself? Well, in, in unique ways. Okay. You find different ways to do it. That's what you, it was a different situation than, than the South. In the South, it was all over discrimination. And in the Northern state, it was covert and overt. All right, a little selective. Yeah, so you had to. It's like a minefield, maybe. Yeah, you didn't you, know what was gonna happen. Uh, uh, correct, that's the best way to put it. That's scary. Uh, I was I was young then, and and I had a great belief in myself that I could do anything, I could learn anything. I figured, I, I just had a whole lot of confidence. That's <laughs> wonderful. Where do you think that came from? Came from hard times. Okay. Uh, because I was a sharecropper in the yeah. beginning. And, that was days without food. That was, and, and, and I left Alabama early at 3 o'clock a.m. in the morning. And the temperature was dropping, the dew was riding, the cloud, and the cloud was rolling in. So You so were escaping, you, essentially. So, yeah, so you were used to hard times. And so another day of hard time didn't hardly make any difference. Yeah. So you can't be, can't have any fear because it says uh, Jesus Christ is your engineer. So you have to work your way through it. I, you don't want to hear all of that, but. <laughs> well, it's made you who you are today and yeah. a remarkable person. Yeah. So clearly yeah. you found a way to process yeah. the hard times. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, well, let's fast forward then to 1968 when you move here. Where did you buy a home? I bought a home on Kings Highway. Uh, that's on 
the Western Ring Road, King Sideway. And I've been living there ever since because I, I stayed there uh, because I was putting everything into education uh, for my kids. And at one time I had four kids in four different colleges at the same time. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you had to find out how do you do this? How did you get through? So it wasn't a problem. Everything is a challenge. You don't look at things as a problem. Nothing is a problem. Every, nothing, everything is a challenge. Everything is a challenge. Yeah. Nothing is a problem. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. like that. That's a mantra so, <laughs> to live by. So you have to figure out how to do this. And you have to work together. My wife and I uh, just celebrated our 67 wedding anniversary. Wow, congratulations. And so, so you have to work together and, and see that thing work out because life itself is, is like an AC current. And an AC current is, is has peaks and valleys. And to be able to administrate and smooth out things, you have to really clip off the peak and fill in the valley and get a smooth transition. So that's what we worked on to do, to make things smooth. Uh, nothing was a problem. Everything was a challenge to us. I love that. That's so, deep. So, and the kid, I, I didn't ever have any problem with my kid in school or anything. Mm -hmm. So that allowed me to be able to, to do many things, you know. But if you have to spend a lot of money on your kid trying to get them out of problem or anything like that, then you're wasting a lot of time or a lot of energy and a lot of finance. So I was lucky all of them did pretty well. What was your year. secret to keeping them on track? Well, I'm conservative. I say that in our home that wasn't a democracy. Uh, that was dictatorship, and okay. you and you say what to do and when to do it, mm -hmm. and you had to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so everyone had a strong sense of discipline. I sometimes the kids wanted to rebel, but they did it. And then when they got to be adults, they said, "I'm gonna raise my kid like we was raised," mm -hmm. and that's why that kid had a lot of success. So that kid went to Buckley, uh, Harvard, Brown University, Georgetown, and, and different places mm -hmm. to school. Okay, well so. I need to piece some things together then. So you sound like, uh, you say you're conservative, but you did tell me they called you a radical at the Democratic well, Party when you wanted to join. So why don't we well, explore that? Well, let's hybrid it. Okay. Let's hybrid it. You were conservative in, in raising your family. Mm -hmm. My kids couldn't run the street. My kid had to study from 7 to 10, and there was no radio, no television played in the house from 7 to 10 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Because on a Friday, they was participating in all the events and everything, you know. And so, they had to live by that. They had to do that. So I considered that was conservative during that time because, because in, because it, 
the 11 o'clock, they was in bed, even when they was 18 years old. Nothing wrong with that. And so, Absolutely not. So when I hear about a kid being on the street uh, at 11 o'clock at night, being 12 years old, uh, I can't, I can't deal with that. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense to you. And see, when kids used to come to my house, they would have to leave at the same time because my kid had to study. And so I said that was conservative. Okay. But tell me about the Democratic Party. You wanted to join. You wrote a check for your membership. And, and what happened? This was well, I, I, I had one precinct committed person. I was the first black in Warrensville to win anything. Congratulations. <laughs> so I won the precinct committee uh, by walking the street talking to people, and it was raining. And some of the people said, I'll vote for you simply because you're walking in the rain. And I was telling him, telling him, it doesn't rain in my campaign, it rained on my campaign. Mm -hmm. So the rain doesn't stop me. And so he said, wow. You're a thinker. You're a deep thinker. They said, well, we'll vote for you. <laughs> so that's I, well, mixing in being conservative and this sort of thing. And I joined a Democratic, I was joining a group to be a part of the community. So you just can't raise hell. What are you going to do about it? Will you join and help fix the problem? Or will you kick the problem down the road? So I was trying to help fix the problem. What, what kind of problems were you trying to fix? Well, the problem is trying to get the community together and, and, and put the community on the same wavelength. Well, tell me what the composition of the community was back uh, then. We're talking late 60s. Uh, 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 one thing, community always go worry about that school. And they assume that when the, Black family move in, there would be a degradation, there would be a, a lower in school standard. But the black families that was moving into Warrenville at that time, most of them was professional people. And they had some pretty smart kids, a high PLR. They rated kids at that time with or something you call PLR, projected learning rate. Okay. And a lot of them had high. PLR. Projected learning rate. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. wonder how they determine what that is, but we won't go into that. that. Was, that was, they, they, they gave them same tests. Okay. In, in, in the Cleveland area. And the Cleveland area had some major weight students. And, uh, and they, they got to be major weight students on the same testing they was taking. And the testing was PLR. Projected learning rate. Yes. And a lot of them moving to Wandsfield. They didn't want to go to send the kid to Collinwood or anything like that, because Collinwood had major weight in high school. Had what? Major weight courses in high school. That's major weight college prep courses. Okay. Outstanding college prep courses, because the kids were going out there, a lot of them was end up being doctors and so forth, mm -hmm. and engineers at MIT and all this other, geologists at University of Texas, this sort of thing, medical school. And there was great learners, and, and quite a few was moving to Warrensville, okay. But they was the people he was concerned, and so you would try to block people from joining, the, from joining the school board, 
or John or being in council people or keep them from being in holding any position because you want to dominate. And so what you do, you try to get with them and say, okay, let's talk. Let's get together. Let's talk. And so one way you get together, John some of the things. So what we did, or a group of us did, we created the dad club at Eastwood School, you know. And who's the we? A group of the black men and the young white fellas that was living over in Shaker World, young professional. Um, I mentioned Herb Hinkle. He's a top lawyer down in the big law firm downtown. He was living in Shaker, in, in Shaker Woods Center at that time on Landbury, on Wickfield. And there was other that were professional, young whites that was living there. And it was easy to get along with, but the, but the whole community was still divided. And so what we were trying to do, okay, let's come in, let's get the whole thing together. And this is when I say that we were trying to put them, not only myself, but that was other than four. But I guess I stayed here longer than anyone else because I didn't move. Quite a few of them moved. So, because of the situation here? Well, I stayed here because I spent so much money sending my kid to school. And and then I, I just wanted to stay on the street and meet the others that was moving in on the street. So at one time I knew everybody on the street. Mm -hmm. I knew everybody by name. And what was the racial composition then when people are moving in? Uh, the race, it was mixed because it was uh, younger blacks some of them moving in and uh, they didn't have the, uh, they the might not have had the finance that the people that first, that the first move in. Let me, explain that again. When the first blacks move in a community, they are well endowed. They, they, their financial structure are stronger than those moving in on a second and third wave. So what was the okay. implication of that? So they had mortgages. Well, if you just move in with the 20% down, mm -hmm. and at that time, the 20% 20, 20 was uh, shaped up by having two parents working to supply the 20%. Before that time, it was one parent, that 20% had to come from one parent. And that was your situation? That was my situation, mm -hmm. but when I move in, I put 65% down. <laughs> yeah. That's remarkable. Uh, yeah. That's great. And so, because I was looking ahead, because I didn't want to have any college tuition when my kids started to college. So I wanted to pay for my house mm -hmm. in, in, in X number, four number of years. I had laid it out that way. You had a road map, definitely had a road map. Uh, I, 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 had a, I had a project to work on. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. It was a challenge, okay. Um, so you have this list of streets that you brought with you here and um, these streets was totally segregated. Okay. All of these streets from here to here was totally segregated. Um, so we're talking the Clarkwood. Upper Clarkwood and the lower Clarkwood. Mm -hmm. And was this something that the realtors 
um, no, control them? No, 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 no. They was all they was already living here, mm-hmm. but but the mayor was saying, I will not allow blacks to move across Green Road. All of these houses. You're talking east of Green. All these houses was east of Green Road. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And who was the mayor at the time? Grabo, Mayor Grabo. Grabo. Yeah. Okay. That's where he's doing the call me a radical. And that's why he called you a radical. <laughs> he called me a radical. Because. Yeah. Well, you're, I was you're trying, you're trying I was, to get along. I was someone I was spoken to. Okay. You know, and uh, you name it, you know. I didn't mind walking the picket or whatever you want to do. And I, what would happen what, on Green Road? I mean, what was going on, the interaction? Well, Green Road was just a divided area. Yeah, yeah. And the first individual that moved across Green Road was Wheeler, lived on Mary Road. What was it? He lived on. He he moved. He moved on this street here. Marigold. Okay. Marigold. And how did that go? Didn't go too well, so because he was intimidated. Uh, he worked for. He was. Uh, he worked for Lou Stoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his office, he was office in one of the office manager on Lou Stoke. Lustok was the congressman. Lustok's the congressman, right? At, at, at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, some way, he bought this house up there on Marigold. But he was intimidated day and night. And they were letting the kids with motorcycles come in his yard and tear up his lawn. Just turn around in the yard. And uh, he called himself going to protect his house. And he, and he had a pistol. And they went up there and arrested him because they had a pistol. So, 20 of us went to City Hall and told, if you don't protect, if you don't protect Wheeler, we will protect our guns and protect them ourselves. And we started speaking a different language. And so everyone got upset over it. And that's why, one reason, he called me a radical. But when, what do you mean by speaking a different language? Well, we weren't speaking, let's cooperate now. Okay. Let's get together. We were speaking separation, different language. Okay. It was was mean spirit. But sometimes you have to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing to be heard. I don't know that it was wrong, but um, (laughs) what you're saying, I think you had a, a, there's a strong case to be made. Yeah. And so from that time, that was a little reaching out when we went to City Hall and told them that that was a little reaching out. And things start changing somewhat. And then the next issue uh, was working with the school board and, and see what the school board was doing because the school board was sometimes they was putting uh, a very good student that was giving them low level classes mm-hmm. putting them in. So if you look at those low level class sometime, a kid wouldn't be able to accomplish what he should accomplish. Like like they were held being held back, essentially. Yeah. Like if a kid wanted to go into engineering and he would have to have a strong math background, he should be on a track where he could take pre calculus and calculus in high school. And that wasn't being happened because they were letting having the kid take two years of algebra one. So that automatic would put him back, put that kid back, while he wouldn't be able to take 
pre-calculus and calculus uh, in, in the eleven and twelfth grade. And that was that. I could just mention several things, but there was. So you reacted to that. You let them know that was not acceptable. I did. I did. And I did. Do you feel like you were able to affect change? Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, they hate my kid on a, one of my kids on the level that way was giving him the same stuff that he didn't he had already had because he had a PLR that was high mm-hmm. and so he refused to take that class and when I found out that he wasn't taking that class I went to the school and um, threatened with a lawsuit. Okay. So. And then he got into the higher level class. He got, they, they tested him in the next week they said we tested the next week and he finished one hour test in 30 minutes and had everything mm-hmm. right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, was, it was a fight after a fight after a fight. And so, so now we start, okay, let's start working with the school as much as we possibly can. So we created Dad Club. The Dad's Club, okay. Yeah, the Dad Club to raise money and cook, uh, have pancake breakfast mm-hmm. on a Sunday. And that wasn't only just a black father, it was some of the white fathers mm-hmm. that had a, a, a positive view or thing. We didn't all do it by ourselves. Uh, we tried to, but that doesn't work. So it's best to get information from both sides. And we was trying to bring the whole city together. But Cravo still wanted to keep it separate because the people was afraid of blacks coming in that neighborhood. And like I said, and I repeat, you have people that move in the beginning that financial structure is strong. And uh, but then you have people later on that not as strong. Say at the same time the high rise apartment the high-rise apartment and each apartment have 192 suites. They have 32 suites on each floor, six times 32. Okay. And so, and there was no kids living in the apartment at that time. But later on, they bring parents in that was maybe there's one parent that wasn't a fool, that wasn't a fool like mother and father. Mm-hmm. When I moved here, I didn't know any home, any black family, that didn't have a mother and a father in the home. Now, I'm not saying that a mother cannot do it by herself, but it's difficult mm-hmm. for her to do it. It's better to have a mother and a father in a home working together. And so as time go along, you had more of that. Just single parents. Single parents mm-hmm. trying to make it by herself. And that is difficult to do. Or sometimes they get two jobs to try to make ENB. And therefore, you're spending less time with your kids. And you're spending less time to get involved in the school function. And so it's kind of a domino effect when it started on that trend. So, well, you don't want to hear that. (laughs) Well, this is all part of the history. 
that you're that you're knowledgeable about. As as time went by in the eighties and nineties, what did you see happening? Uh the the Haiti community become more and more integrated, but still there was a lot of movement. That was a lot of so called flights. Their movement. And as the flight turned over and over and sometimes the people move in might not have the finance to, to keep because when you move into a home you have to do nearly about as much outside the inside mm-hmm. to keep the beautification going and that might not happen in all the sense so there was a while you have a home pop up that the people aren't doing the right thing or whatever and so but yet to me to the community haven't fallen the homes haven't fallen that far because if you drive over the community, it still look pretty well. Mm-hmm. In the East Ward, you know what the East Ward Association? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the first association where most of the professional blacks move into the East, and it still looks well mm-hmm. if you move into it. Okay. And, uh, and their participation in everything was great. They went to the poll on the high level to vote. And next come after that was the Shakerwater area, where they had the young professional, black and white, living in that area over there. And getting along? And getting along pretty well. And getting along pretty well. So that's what happened in the, uh, in the early 80s and so forth, and that's when... What do you think about what you see today in your community? What I see today is a great prospect. We have a great mayor, uh, Brad. I've been knowing him since he was in uh, middle school. And Rudy Coastguard told me, he asked me one time to talk to him because Brad is one of drop mathematics, <laughs> you wanted me to talk to him. But, uh, but Brad had enough of credit to finish in 11th grade. He was a, a 4.0 student. Now, he was an outstanding student in, in, in high school, and he had 80-some scholarship sitting on the desk. So we knew that he was going to college, and, and my talk was, if you know that you was going to college, take the toughest subject in high school mm. and make college not so difficult. That is some strategy. Yeah. So same thing I did with my kid. You got to take the, don't worry about it whether you didn't make an A and everything, but take the toughest subject that you can take in high school. And every year you must take a course in mathematics. If you are confused and don't know what to take, guess you're going to take a mathematic course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll help you think better. You've got a lot of grit. You've got a lot of resilience. I think you uh, you handle you handle yeah. everything in life very well. I mean, tell yeah. me about your life right now. You're exercising well, a lot. You have well, friends I still? retired in '92. '92, okay. Yeah, I retired from Western House in '92, mm-hmm. and uh, the moment I retired. I said, well, I worked so hard during my days coming up, 
And, but I participated in a lot of sports mm -hmm. because I went to school originally at Benedict College on a football scholarship. What position? Quarterback, defensive back. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I had a little toughness about <laughs> but the but but I had to go on an academic and athlete and scholarship. And uh, so I, I, I uh, retired in 92, and I said, now nah, I want to do the things that I just want to do myself. And so I picked up my racket, and I started playing tournaments. So I was traveling all over the United States wow. playing tournaments. But first I had to go and get some, some good training mm -hmm. I went to. I went to took training on the Vandermeer at Hilton Head to learn how to, not to play, but to learn how to win. <laughs> oh, I like that, not to play, to win. <laughs> yeah. A, a fine yeah, point I, there. Yeah, I had to learn not only to play, but to, to win, because I hated to lose. Mm. So I, I can tell. <laughs> so so, 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 so you've outlived a lot of your friends, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I do not have them to practice with now because they passed away, and some of them in, uh, some of went in, in, in uh, homes where they had to uh, take care of them, yeah. and some of them moved away. But most of them passed away. Is your wife still with us? Yes. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Oh. She's she's Good. yeah, yeah. She's she's still there. Yeah. She's still there. So, what is your hope? Um, to kind of bring this to a conclusion, what is your hope for the city going forward? Oh, the city is doing well. Um, I think he's a great mayor. Don't tell him that. <laughs> go to his well, head. Tell everybody else, just not him. Okay. Yeah, uh, go to his head. <laughs> but he is, he's a hard-working mayor. He's smart. He's, he tries to go to all the meetings. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a great mayor. Mm -hmm. he, he, he's a... I was with Marsha Fulwich. I was Marsha Fulwich's campaign manager. Okay. The mayor before him. She was the first black mayor. Mm -hmm. No, well, she was the first female mayor. Yeah, you, she was, she's a congressman now. Yes. Yeah, but I was a, a, a campaign manager. That's an honor. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he is smarter than she is. She was. He does more things and has done more things than she has. Uh, he's a great mayor. He might be, might be the best mayor in in Ohio. Yeah. It should be around him a lot, and the things that he read up on, study, get involved in. You can't hardly bring up a subject matter that he can't articulate himself on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so. that's that's definitely high praise, and I know that city council members, community members, uh, have equally as high praise for you. So I want to thank you very much for sharing your stories and being our and our guest. Yeah, you sound like Doris. Doris, Doris, thanks one. very highly of you. I know. Okay. Well, thank you very yeah. much. Okay. I, I hope I fulfill what you were asking for.